Well, good morning. As Joe mentioned earlier, my name is Stephen. I am the student pastor, and I'm so glad that you are here, that you are worshiping with us. If this is your first time here with us, I want to extend a special welcome to you. Uh, I normally don't get to be up here on this stage for Sunday morning. I'm normally up here every Sunday night with our youth. Um, but every sun- this Sunday, this month of November, I get the joy and the privilege to be able to, to preach this week, and the following weeks, other pastors are going to be able to preach, to be able to give David, uh, a little bit of a break and be able to focus on some other things. And so that is a, it's just a great privilege to be able to be up here. Now, one of the many, many aspects of uh, the job that I have as student pastor, just one of them, is that I get to take kids to camp. We have our week-long summer camp that we do. We have a couple of different retreats that we do throughout the year, and it is a blast. I mean, where else can you take super soakers and shoot off shaving cream off of your favorite leader's face? I mean, like, where else does that happen? But at summer camps, camp is a blast, and maybe you have gone to summer camp. Maybe you have sent kids to summer camp, and they always come back, and it's just like, we had a blast, we had fun, it was a great time, and there's so many memories, so many things that are built, and the wonderful thing is about with camp, and with the memories that we build, is that my leaders and myself, we're able to use that as a catalyst, a springboard, a kicking off of the relationships that we get to build into for the rest of the year. Because I look at camps one week, but I have 51 more weeks with these kids, and I want to use that as a springboard for the rest of the year. And, you know, as the one in charge, it can also be a lot of work. i got to coordinate all the different kids and make sure that they know what to bring and, you know, get all the paperwork and all that kind of stuff. It's a lot of work, but it's, it is a great time. It is worth it because I get to see kids worship God. I get to see students who accept Christ for the very first time. And there's nothing quite like that to be able to walk with a kid and say, I get to celebrate with you because now you're a brother and sister in Christ. I get to see kids who come to camp, just kind of walk in the walk of just kind of mediocre faith and who are challenged and go, man, I don't want to stay that way. I want to, I want to follow Christ with everything that I've got. Let that infect every single part of my life. That's awesome. That is amazing to be able to see. Um, I also get to dis- get to be the one to decide is, does that need liquid bandage or stitches? <laughs> so like, oh, like, I don't know, man. That, that's a pretty big one. I think we need stitches for that one. And uh, I think you're okay. We don't have to go to the ER. We'll just bandage it up. Occasionally, if you're like me, you have to go to the ER afterwards after you chop the tip of your finger off. Um, it just, you know, things happen at camp. <laughs> um, but then there's also times where it's also hard because you have to walk alongside a kid and a student as they're sharing the brokenness and the hurt and the sin of their lives. And you have to tell them, I love you. Jesus loves you. We're going to walk through this together. And that's challenging, but it's worth it. And never a year goes by without me having to ask the question, whose dirty socks are those? (laughs) I mean, it's like, 
oh, it's mine. Like, you're four bunks over. Like, how did you get your dirty socks all the way over there? Like, that's not like that. How did you do that? And you have some kids and you're just like, your suitcase exploded. It's been five minutes since we've got here. How did you get everything all over the cabin? And it's just like, it just gets everywhere. And, and what I do and what I've found over the years of taking kids to camp and all the fun that can come with it and just the memories and stories is I, I've realized that before we even get on the bus, I need to kind of lay a little bit of like some groundwork here. And like, yes, you will bring and wear deodorant. You will shower every day. I don't, I don't want to smell that. All right. You will shower. And then what I also have to talk about is I talk about this idea of reconciliation and forgiveness. Because even though that kid who's sleeping next to you is your best friend, at the end of five days, you're going to be questioning whether they're their best friend or not. Because there's going to be some times where things are going to go on and you're going to be like, man, I just want to punch you. And that sometimes that happens because they're going to do something that annoys you. They got their dirty socks all in your stuff and you're like, I don't want that. And you're frustrated and you're upset with them. And so we have to talk about this idea of reconciliation and what it means to offer forgiveness. Because the reality is, is that each and every single one of us have been hurt and we hurt others. It's just part that's built into us. I have two daughters and I do not have to teach them to disobey and hurt and hit one another. They do it all by themselves. But I have to teach them, I have to be intentional, I have to train them what it means to ask for forgiveness, to offer forgiveness. Because this is such an important thing. And so what I want us to do today is we're going to be looking at this idea of forgive as Christ forgave you. And we're going to be in Colossians 3, verses 8 through 14. And we're going to unpack this idea a little bit of what it means to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. And it's, as I mentioned, it's something that's not instinctive for us to do. Our natural inclination is to get even. Our natural inclination is to say, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back our natural inclination is to think only about ourselves and not the other person. And so what Jesus and what Paul is doing in this passage is they are going to be telling us that we need to flip everything upside down and you need to consider the other person and you need to offer forgiveness and to seek to restore the relationship. And so this is not a, an idea that's exclusive to Paul. Uh, you find it in the Old Testament, God describes himself to Moses and the Israelites as being compassionate and forgiving. And then even Jesus, as he is preaching, and one of the times he's preaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he says that this idea of forgiveness is so important that if you are in the middle of worship, stop what you're doing, go fix the issue that you have with your brother or your sister, make things right with them, and then come back and finish worshiping. He says it's so important that you put off anything else even worshiping God to go make things right with your brother and sister. That's how important it is. And each and every single New Testament writer, they talk about this idea of we forgive because Jesus Christ has offered forgiveness to us. And so the Jesus and the New Testament writers, they emphasize the importance of forgiveness and reconciliation all throughout the New Testament. 
And so as we get ready to jump into Colossians, I want to give us a little bit of an idea of where, what Paul is writing about and why he's writing, just so that as we jump right in the middle, we're not just wondering where where we are in the middle. And so Paul is writing to this young church in Colossae, which is in, in modern day Turkey. And this is a church that he's actually, he's never been to before. He didn't start the church. He, he's never even met any of the people there, but he's heard about them. And as he's in prison, he's heard about this church and God has put it on his heart for him to write a letter to encourage this young church, to encourage them in their faith and to help them with a couple of different challenges and problems that they have been facing. And so that's what Paul is doing. And so he starts off, like, man, I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful that you are following Jesus Christ, that you heard the message, that you received it, and you are trusting him. He starts off with that. And then he goes in and he asks and tells them, now, there's been some outside teachers who have started to add things to the gospel. Like, you need to eat certain things, celebrate certain, certain things, and do certain rituals if you are actually a real Christian. You're not a real Christian unless you do this. And so he tells them, ignore those people. Then he goes on and says, now you're, gonna face, you're facing all this pressure because you live in a culture that doesn't worship God. You live in a culture that is contrary to God. You, there, there's this social pressure to mix in your old religious ways and your old ways of thinking into your life with Christ. And he says, they're like water and oil and they don't mix. So don't try, get rid of it. And then he gets into this section. In this section, what he does, he says, I want you to know what are the basics because you guys are a young church. You guys are new believers. I want you to know what are the basics, what are the fundamentals of living your life practically for Jesus. And so that's what he does. And he gives us, essentially, there's these three lists that he ends up kind of going through. And the first list is how do you make sure that you have a right relationship with God? There's some things that can get in the way, get rid of them. There's a lot of getting rid of in this passage, okay? And get rid, of, get rid of them. Get rid of that. Get rid of these things that keep you from having a right relationship with God. And then it comes into verse 8, where it's going to be talking about how, we have, how do we have a right relationship with the people around us. And that's where we're going to be looking at today. So in verses 8 and 9, it says this. But now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with his practices. This is our natural self. This is us without Christ. This is what we tenderly want to do. We want to be selfish. And when we're selfish, we, we put on anger where we get mad at people. When we're selfish, we can blow up at people and we have rage and that's wrath. Sometimes we slander and we cut people down with our words and we try to discredit their reputation and their character. Sometimes we use obscene talk and we dehumanize people and say that they're less than. And we lie and we have rumors and gossip. This is what we instinctively go to. I don't have to teach my daughters to lie. They figured it out. They figured it out. And so, but he says, put it away. And the picture is kind of like a coat. Okay. So imagine you have this coat and inside this coat, you pull out the anger, wrath and malice and slander and all these different things that we do. He says, I want you to take this coat and you're going to take it off. You're going to take it and you're going to throw it away. 
Get rid of it. It shouldn't be a part of your life anymore if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. He says, get rid of these things. They shouldn't be a part of your life anymore. And then he goes on in verses, um, in verses 12 through 14, he tells us that we need to start putting something on because you don't want to be running around with, with nothing on. That's not good. You know, you just threw away your coat. You need to put something on. So in verses 12 through 14, he says, let's put on something. He says, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts. Put on kindness. Put on humility and meekness and patience. And this is the part we're going to focus the most on. It says, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds, all, every, binds everything together in perfect harmony. So if we were to say that the first list was about selfishness and me, this list is the complete opposite. It's, it's grounded in this idea of love. All these different characteristics, they come out of a place of love. And this isn't a new idea for us. Maybe you've heard uh, how Jesus responded to the question, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus went and said, the greatest commandment is that you love God with everything that you got. And then gave, Jesus gave him a two for one. And he says, the second greatest commandment is that you love your neighbor as yourself. And what Paul is writing us here is said, if love is the, found, is, the, is the lowest foundation of us, the character, characteristic of us as we emulate Christ, he says, these, this is kind of the next layer. These are the next fundamentals. It's not a long list. There's like six pieces that he puts up here. He says, these are the, these are the next layer of fundamentals. He says, and this one, forgiveness, he spends the most time and is like, this is so important that you learn to forgive as Christ has forgiven you. This is how you love one another, is you offer forgiveness. You see, forgiving one another is fundamental to following Jesus. It's a fundamental, it's a piece that you can't really do without. And so let's think a little bit about a fundamental and as a fundamental, I, I think of the time when I was uh, coaching basketball. So my youngest sister in elementary and in junior high, she was uh, in a church basketball league. And my dad was the coach and I was in the high school and college and I was helping coach her team. And every single year we had kids and we had girls who'd come in and it's like, do you know what this is? You're holding a basketball and they're like, no. All right, okay, we're gonna get going here. So this is a basketball. The object of this game is to take the basketball and put it into that hoop that's way up there. And I'm like, that, that's hard. It's like, yeah, it will be. All right, okay, but first, before, like, how do you get the ball over there? Like, well, you just take it and walk over? And like, no, you can't just walk over with the ball. You have to dribble it, okay? And so you have to, we had took these girls, and they had never seen a basketball before, never touched a basketball, and we have to teach them how to dribble the ball. It's a lot harder than it sounds, because you're not just smacking the ball. You have to, like, catch it as it comes up and push it down. And so we're teaching these girls this fundamental, because you can't play the game of basketball if you don't know how to dribble the ball. 
You can't. It's not possible. You're just going to be standing around and you're going to pass it to it. Maybe you can pass it around, but at some point you need to be able to dribble the ball. It's a fundamental. And what I want us to see, what Paul is telling us here is that forgiving one another is a fundamental of our faith in Jesus Christ. It's going to be really, really hard to live out your faith without forgiving one another because you can't really love one another without forgiving. Because guess what? Life is messy. You're going to hurt people and people are going to hurt you. So we need to be able to offer this forgiveness. And as we think about this idea of forgiveness, this really, this is, this is from the very beginning. I, if we look even at Jesus, Jesus is our model of why we forgive. And what, did, what happened? If we look at the beginning, we go, God created us. We were in the garden with him. It was perfect we had an awesome relationship. And then what did we decide to do? Mankind sinned. They rejected God's word. They disobeyed. They turned their backs on them. They rebelled. They were traitors. They were traitors. Each and every single one of us. At some point in time, when we turn our back on God, we, we were traitors in God's eyes. Because we were on his team and we rejected him and turned away. Do you know what we do with traitors? Federal law still allows for the execution of traitors in the U.S. That's what we do with traitors. We recognize that there's something so evil and devious about someone who says, I'm on your team, and then turns around, rejects you, and joins the other team. We recognize that there's something so evil about that. And God had every single right to look at us and you're a traitor, you do not deserve forgiveness. And what God did is God saw us in our sin, in our brokenness, in our rebellious, in our treasonous actions, and says, I love you so much. I'm gonna die on the cross for you so that we can fix this, this relationship. So I can take care of the sin and take care of the penalty that you deserve. And I'm gonna offer you forgiveness. You see, when we understand it that way, we understand that the whole story of God's work in the Bible is to take broken things and make them whole again. That's what Jesus is doing on the cross. He's taking the broken stuff that we made and he, what he's doing, he's doing all the things necessary. He's putting in the work to be able to put it all back together. And we're, that's what God is doing. And so we're not, sorry, we're not just to you know, leave it all up to God. God invites us and calls us to be a part of that work too. You see, every single time that you go and you share the gospel to someone, you are sharing God's forgiveness, you are taking part in God's restoration plan. When you accepted Jesus Christ's forgiveness in your own life, you are joining in with Christ and receiving and being a part of God's restoration. And when you go and you treat other people with love and you forgive them and you show compassion and you say, and humility and acknowledge your part in the hurt, you are joining in God's work of restoration. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to join in God's work of restoration. We can't just ignore it and not do anything with it and just leave the hurt and the sin and the brokenness there.
Now, as we think about this idea of, the, of, of forgiveness, of restoration, there's a couple of mis, misconceptions that we can have. And the first one is that ignoring. We like to ignore problems. And ignoring is not the same thing as forgiveness. You see, if we think back to this idea of like, you know, we were told to, you know, we had this coat with anger and malice and slander and all this other stuff, and you were supposed to take it off and throw it away. Let's say in someone hurts you and you decide, well, I'm not going to hurt them back. I got rid of that anger where I'm going to hurt them back, but you do nothing. You don't put on, you're walking around with nothing on, okay? You don't put on the, the coat of forgiveness, you're not joining into the work. You're just leaving it there broken. You say, well, I'm not going to get even. I'm not going to get you back, but I'm not going to do anything to try to fix it either. That is not forgiveness. Sometimes we think I can just ignore it and then everything's good. It's, it's not. The next misconception that we have is that, well, it's their fault. So I'm not going to do anything until they make the first move. And, and first, is it really just their fault? I mean, sure, that can happen, but most of the time, what ends up happening is if they hurt you, you've probably got them back in some way. You've gotten even, you, it, things escalate. Normally, things don't get to the point where you're so mad at someone that you want to break things off unless there's this back and forth. We're both to blame. And so this idea of forgiveness is not just offering forgiveness to someone. It's also asking for forgiveness and saying, there's a part that I play in this hurt and brokenness that I need to be responsible for. And I'm going to own up to it. And so we can't use the excuse of it's their problem. They need to come to me first. Imagine if Jesus did that to us. He looked at us while we were broken and traitorous sinners and said, I love you, I'm gonna die for you. Jesus didn't wait for us to do the first move. Jesus acted first. And so if we're to love and forgive like him, that means that we need to swallow our pride and walk over to that person and say, I wanna ask for forgiveness, I wanna offer forgiveness for the hurt that we have done to each other. That's another misconception that we have. The last misconception that I want to talk about in regards to this idea of forgiveness is that we think that when we forgive, that means that everything goes back exactly the way that it was. We go, oh, let's forgive and forget. And it's this magic wand. We go, everything's peachy king and perfect. And it doesn't work that way. Because you see, forgiveness, when we offer forgiveness, when we ask for forgiveness, the other person can choose to reject it. People choose to reject Jesus Christ's offer of forgiveness each and every single day. And they miss out on the amazing forgiveness and love that God has for them because they reject it. People can reject your offer of forgiveness. And so even though you have opened up the door to start the process of healing in that relationship because of the hurt, it doesn't fully happen because you can't, it needs both people in order for it to truly happen. But you're not responsible for how the other person acts. You are responsible for how you act. 
God calls each and every single one of us to forgiveness. That means you have to swallow your pride. I have to swallow my pride. I need to offer forgiveness. I need to ask for forgiveness. And it is that forgiveness is the first step in the process of reconciliation. It is a process. So every once in a while, my daughters, what they'll do, they come up and they say, hey, daddy, I have this toy that's broken, fix it. And so I'll take this toy and sometimes they really do a good number on some of their toys and then there's lots of pieces everywhere. I'm like, okay, all right. And I take all the brokenness and I kind of look at it and I figure it out and then I have to figure out what goes back first. It takes some time in order to do. Even if you consider your own life and how God works in our own lives, when you accepted Jesus Christ and you receive his forgiveness, that doesn't mean that you are all of a sudden perfect. Poof, perfect. No, we still have sin and brokenness in our lives. And it starts the process where God is slowly making us more and more like him. And we emulate him more and more in our lives. And it's the same thing when we have brokenness that with one another. There's this forgiveness that we offer. And if the person accepts that and, and there's this mutual forgiveness that takes place, then you guys can start to really start putting the pieces back together but it doesn't necessarily have to go back to the way that it was. We're called to seek restoration. We are called to mend things and forgive, but it doesn't always mean that everything is, is gonna go exactly back the way that it was. In some cases it can be. You know, so we were reading about Paul, Paul's letter, and this isn't just a theory for him. You see, there was this guy named Mark, and Mark was uh, kind of a young guy, and he was helping Paul on his missionary journeys. And at one point in time, Mark goes, this is too much, I can't handle it. And he's like, he abandons them, he leaves them. And Paul was really upset and frustrated at Mark. But the wonderful thing is that we see that Paul practiced this because even in this letter, Paul mentions Mark is that he's a fellow coworker. And then even later in his life, here is the guy that deserted me and Paul is in prison and it's his final imprisonment before he knows that he's gonna be executed. And what he does, he says, bring Mark. I need that guy. I'm in desperate need. Who do you bring? Normally wouldn't go and say, pick the guy who deserted me. No, he asks for Mark because he recognizes he's fixed things in that relationship. He practices what he's teaching us here. And so for each and every single one of us, we need to practice this idea of forgiveness. We need to say, I'm gonna offer forgiveness even though I don't feel like it, I don't want to, it's gonna be hard, but but that's how God, how Jesus treated me. And so that's really gonna be the challenge for us is to offer this forgiveness, but it's kind of hard to offer forgiveness unless you have first received forgiveness. And so, that's the question. Have you received Christ's forgiveness in your life? Have you received it? That's the first step. Jesus offers his forgiveness to you. Don't wait. Don't put it off another day. In a moment, we're going to have some men and women up here um, after, after I'm done. 
And if you want to talk to them about what it means to accept Jesus Christ as Savior and receive his forgiveness, come talk to them. And then for those of you who have received Christ's forgiveness, the question is, how can I live out reconciliation forgiveness? How do you live that out? Maybe there is a person that has come up in your mind as I've been talking about this idea of forgiveness that you need to go offer forgiveness to. It could be a friend, it could be a family member, it could be your spouse, it could be a coworker, whoever it may be. Again, don't put it off. Don't wait for tomorrow. Forgive them. Go to them, talk to them, say, I need to forgive you, or you need to, you need to offer that forgiveness and ask for forgiveness. Make things right. Join in God's work of redemption. And let us forgive as Christ forgave you. I'm going to pray for us, and we'll have some men and women up here if you need someone to pray for. Maybe you need some, you need some prayer about some reconciliation that you need to work out in your life. If you want to join the church, you can also come up at that point in time. Well, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful that you offered me forgiveness, that you have granted me a traitorous sinner a second chance. And so God, help each and every single one of us to offer this same type of forgiveness, to recognize the amazing love that you have given us and to be able to start doing this in our own lives, to have the humility to say and the compassion to say, please forgive me for the wrongs I have done and I forgive you for the wrongs you have done to me. Give us that courage. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.